How are you doing? You're welcome to Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. It is the 18th of January in the year of Arnold 2022. I've got two really good guests for you today, I think, as as usual, he says. He says, as usual, you can join in through the website richieallen.co.uk. Leave comments as the programme goes on, and I will read them out, I tells you. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show. Broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Now, Charlie Robinson is an author and a broadcaster. He's a top guy as well. He's the man behind The Octopus of Global Control, a brilliant read. He also co-authored The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire with Jeff Berwick. Charlie will be with me this hour. Can't wait to catch up with him. A little bit later on, let me tell you this. Martin Noakes gave me a shout. Martin is a brilliant singer-songwriter based in London and an old friend of mine. He has put together a song with an activist called Mad Mix. The song is really interesting. It's doing really well. And the guys are hoping for an official UK chart position. The chart sales end at midnight on Thursday. I've got the song. I'll play it for you a bit later on. It's called Killer Killer Covid. Very interesting. As is Mad Mick. Or Mad Mix. His name is Mick. He's known as Mad Mick. So we'll catch up with him a bit later on in the programme then. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Okay. How are you today? Are you all right? Are you fair to middling? Or are you down in the dumps? Don't be down in the dumps. You've got me for company for the next couple of hours. Now you're down in the dumps. Sky News has the scoop of the year today. Beth Rigby. We'll talk about it in a moment. Before that, what, what what's the setup? Well, the setup is the Prime Minister's former senior advisor, Dominic Cummings, known to his friends as Jumbo, boom, boom, uh, he told The Times that he personally told Boris Johnson last year that the parties in Downing Street. This is May 2020 now, so two years ago, nearly. Uh, he, Cummings says, I told Johnson that the parties in Downing Street were in breach of the rules and against the law. Johnson knew, says Cummings, because I told him. Cummings also said that there are others who would swear to this and they would swear to it under oath, he said. What kind of fuckery is this? Yeah, what kind of fuckery is that? Cummings said, we will swear to it, we will say it under oath. As if that means anything. As if it ever meant anything, dear listener. I don't know about you, but I remember being asked to swear on the Holy Bible when I was a lad in Ballybeg in Waterford. To swear on the Holy Bible while I was lying through my teeth, when my pants were ablaze. When the fire brigade was rushing to my home in Ballybeg, my pants were on fire and my mother was holding the family Bible. And I don't know about your family Bible, but ours was massive, massive. A child couldn't hold it. She had to use a wheelbarrow to get it out of the garage or the garage. Richard! What? Swear on the Bible, will you? And I'd be like, no problem. (laughs) I'll swear on the Bible. And I would. I swear on the Bible before Almighty God that it wasn't me 
who threw a tennis ball into your china cabinet and broke that lovely little ballerina figurine that me granny gave you. And she believed that there was no way anyone could swear on the Bible if they were telling porkies. You have a black mark on your soul. I made a career out of it as a kid swearing on the Bible. Who had all the Jaffa cakes? Wasn't me. Get the Bible. Get the Bible. (laughs) And she would say things like, look, if you tell the truth now, I promise, if you tell the truth, after I'd said, no, I didn't break the china 52 or 53 times in a row. If you tell the truth now, Richard, I promise you I won't punish you. I won't get the belt. Now, she said that to me 25 previous times and I'd come clean and been leathered with the belt so I wasn't stupid. I would say, no, no, just give me the Bible. Anyway, Dominic Cummings says he'll swear on the Bible that Boris Johnson knew the parties were illegal. Beth Rigby from Sky News, she's the political editor. She was like Lois Lane today. She was so good was Beth. Prime Minister, Dominic Cummings says you're lying about the May 20th Bring Your Own Booze Downing Street event. He says you were explicitly warned personally by him and your private secretary, Martin Reynolds, was also warned that this was outside the rules and should be cancelled, but you went ahead anyway. That's been confirmed to me by a second Downing Street figure. You, in contrast, say you had no prior knowledge of this party. You thought it was a work event. Have you lied to the public and to Parliament? No, Beth, but I want to, I want to begin by... Uh, repeating my apologies to everybody for the misjudgments that I've made, that we may have made in Number 10 and and beyond, uh, whether in Downing Street or or throughout the the pandemic. And I I do know how infuriating it must be uh, for people up and down the country in view of the the huge sacrifices that people have have made, the way that they've kept discipline, uh, the way they've followed the rules, followed the guidance, done the right thing, uh, to think that uh, that didn't happen in, in Number 10 Downing Street. So I want to just say to you on that, on that point, uh, no, nobody told me that what we were doing was, as you say, uh, against the rules, uh, that the event in question was something that we were going to do something that wasn't a, a work event. And, uh, you know, as I said in the House of Commons, um, uh, when I went out into that garden, I, I thought that I was attending a, a work event. <laughs> sure you did. Were there people in the garden? Yes. Was there alcohol? Yes. Were they holding bottles of beer and glasses of wine? Yes. Was there a table? Yes. Were there crisps on it and peanuts? Yes. Were there party favours? Yes. Was it a party? No. It was a work event, I tells you. Beth Rigby. Let's hear a bit more of this. It's comedy gold. Some of your MPs that, and, and members of the public think that this is your Barnard Castle moment, that the idea that you walked into the garden, there's 40 people there, the tables are laid out with food and drink and there's alcohol yeah. being served. Yes, says Johnson. <laughs> in the middle of a lockdown and you think that's a work event. That is just ludicrous, isn't it? You are just taking the mickey out of the British people by no, suggesting well, I, that. I, I, look, Ripping the piss out of the British people. I, I, you know how silly that sounds, don't you? I think what people need to do is wait and see what the, the report says. But I, I repeat my, my deep apologies to people for mistakes that uh, may have been made on my watch. And, but you see that that looks ridiculous. I, I, it sounds ridiculous. I, I, I repeat my apologies for any and all misjudgments that were made 
for which I take full responsibility. But I think people do need to, to wait and see the, the conclusion of the, of the report. And I, I, will, I will draw the necessary uh, consequences and conclusions but, and come back to the House. Mm, the necessary consequences. This was live on television. Can you imagine the drama if Beth had whipped out a Bible? One of the small Bibles, one of the Gideon International Bibles. Is that Beth maybe picked up at a, at, a, at a Premier Inn the last time she was having it off with Kay Burley. Imagine Beth, that's, that's just my personal fantasy. Imagine Beth said, here you are, here's a Bible. Put your hand on the Bible where you told not to have the party. Anywho. Then he got very upset when the Queen was brought up. The Queen. I've got one final thing on this before we move to Covid. Because this, this is important. This is the first time we've seen you since reports emerged uh, in the Daily Telegraph, not denied by Down Street, about two boozy parties held in the garden, in the buildings of Number 10, the night before Prince Philip's funeral, when the country was in national mourning, was having to apologise to the Queen about those parties the night before she put her husband of over 70 years, she laid him to rest. Was that a moment of shame for you? I, I, I deeply and, and bitterly regret uh, that, 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 that that happened. And I can only uh, you know, and renew my apologies both to, uh, to Her Majesty and uh, to the country uh, for, for misjudgments that, that, that were made and, and for which I take full responsibility. Do you think you can recover from this? You might be able to survive, but can you recover? You might be able to survive, but can you recover? <laughs> what does that even mean? Well, your polling is terrible. The public think you should go. Your MPs are in revolt. Six of them have publicly said you should resign. Beth, I, I, I understand people's feelings. And I understand why people feel as, as strongly as they do about this issue. Uh, I, and I... I repeat my apologies for, for what happened. Do you think he's toast, dear listener? Now, now listen, don't. Don't come at me with the nonsense. I, I know it is pure theatre. It, it matters not which goon currently occupies Downing Street or will occupy it in the future. Of course we know this. I'm asking, do you think the hidden hand has decided that it's time for a change? Maybe it's time after, what are we, 12 years now? Well, approaching 12 years of Tories. Is it time to let the electorate even, let the electorate, Jesus. Is it time to spoof the electorate again by switching things around? Change of government, maybe. Not next year, not this year, maybe, but in a couple of years. Is it time for that? What do you think? Is he done for? Are they doing him like this, with this uh, lying to Parliament about parties at Downing Street? Of course it doesn't matter. I'm well aware of that, but I'm just wondering, what do you think? And if the hidden hand has decided that Boris's time is up, that it's time for him to move on to pastures new, why do you think that is? And who do you think they will replace him with, but I know, I know it doesn't matter. It is 11 and a half minutes past the area with the Richie Allen show. Still heavy, still heavy. The old chest is still a bit heavy, but I'm hanging in there. I refuse to complain. And the media is all over this. They're loving it, the media. Apparently, emails might... I've been told by people I know in the press, nice people, that emails and WhatsApp messages may surface in the next 24 or 36 hours that might do for him and that he might decide to do the Theresa May thing and 
speak at the lectern outside his front door and say, you know what, I've had enough. But I know, I know it doesn't matter. I wasn't going to mention this, but I'm going to mention it anyway. And I mean absolutely no disrespect whatsoever to the family of the woman involved. But an Irish woman who apparently was a lovely person and very popular in her community in Tullamore, in Offaly, was murdered last week. The police are questioning a guy at Tullamore Garda Station. Terrible thing. But the outpouring of grief in Ireland and candlelit vigils being held around the country, what is going on with that? What is that hysteria all about? And what's this about the Irish uh, Prime Minister, the Taoiseach, Michael, me, excuse me, Micheál Martin, attending the funeral, and the President of Ireland attending the funeral? What's going on there? I'm sure there was another person killed in, in Ireland, murdered the previous week. I'm sure somebody was murdered back in December. What is this stuff, this hysteria, this mania? I first noticed this in the wake of the assassination of the Princess of Wales. This madness that, that, that you see. Candlelit vigils and people crying and holding pictures in cork of a woman they've never met and never would have met. What's going on there? I, I know what's going on there, but I do not possess the vocabulary to articulate it. And I'm not being self-deprecating there, and I'm not being modest. I can't explain it. It's something to do with convincing people that it's shrinking the world somehow, and convincing people that we're all in it together, that there is a community, not a not a local community, not a provincial community, not even a national community, but an international community. Sky News has given incredible coverage to this. A woman was murdered. It's a terrible thing. Lock up the bastard who did it and throw away the key. Absolutely. And, and if the guy had any money or any property... I'm for proper punishment, me. Lock him up and throw away the key and, and, and liquidate everything he ever owned and give it to the victims of murder or give it to the girl's family. But what's going on? Tens of thousands of people attending vigils. And in England. What's wrong with that? And people say you're an insensitive bastard, Baldy. Huh? I'm not. I knew people back home who's who had to, 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 to face up to a loved one being murdered. I actually know people. It's terrible. Jesus, it's rotten, isn't it? But what's all of this outpouring of grief? I can't articulate it. It's got something to do. This is the reason why Sky News will cover a block of flats going on fire in New York. It doesn't matter. It isn't relevant to me in Salford. They'll cover some guy falling off of a bridge in, in, in Boston. I couldn't give an arse. It has no relevance to me. When I began in the media, we would have never covered stuff like this. This is globalism somehow. You know, to make us feel on some level that it all matters to us, stuff that goes on all around the world, and it's somehow tied in with justifying then our countries intervening in other countries' affairs. You see, I told you I can't articulate what I'm trying to bloody say. It vexes me at times. Anyway, it's 16 minutes past the hour. Yes, I, I'm not... To answer the question on the website, I wasn't joking about the Bible. My sadistic parents would stick a Bible in front of us, swearing the Bible, go on. They would also threaten us with something in Waterford known as the Good Shepherds. 
the good shepherds in Waterford looked after orphans. So our sadistic parents would threaten us with with basically being interred, interred, no, interned, Jesus. Interred is something different, isn't it? Interred means you're dead. Interned in the Good Shepherd's Convent were the orphans. There were orphans back in the 70s, back in the late 70s. Yeah, so that's the sort of parents we had. Hey, Jimmy Cranky, otherwise known as Nicholas Sturgeon, addressing Holyrood today in Edinburgh, or addressing the Scottish Parliament, said that we're, we're, we're going to release a few restrictions. Whoopie do. Uh, yesterday, of course, the limit on attendances at outdoor public events was lifted. Uh, the remaining statutory measures introduced in response to Omicron are as follows. Limits on attendance at indoor public events, the requirement for one metre physical distancing between different groups in indoor public places, the requirement for table service and hospitality premises serving alcohol on the premises and the closure of nightclubs. Given the improving situation and, as I said last week, we hoped to be able to do, I can confirm today that all of these measures will be lifted from next Monday, 24th January. Right. Happy days, right? Here's a bit more. We will also, from Monday, remove the guidance advising adults against non-professional indoor contact sports so that these can resume as normal. And from Monday, we will also lift the guidance asking people to stick to a three-household limit on indoor gatherings. Right, OK, that's cranky, right? Absolute little toe rag. Little Tojo, we should call her. Tojo, the toe rag. Horrible woman, right? Then she said something quite bizarre around COVID certification. Apparently, Scottish nightclubs have been going to amusing lengths to avoid having to implement vaccine passports. Nightclubs do not want to be asking people to show them their COVID certification. And they've been coming up with very interesting and creative ways of getting around it. And Cranky says this is going to stop. Listen to what she says here. There is, though, one reasonably minor change to the certification regulations that we will propose. At the moment, nightclubs and other late-night venues must apply the scheme if they have in use a designated area for dancing. Right, so if, you, if you're a nightclub and you have a dance floor, you have to implement vaccine passports. It's so arbitrary. It's ludicrous. But anyway... But some nightclubs have been trying to get around it. We intend to amend the definition here to provide greater clarity and prevent premises from avoiding certification simply by having tables on a dance floor and therefore claiming it's not a dance floor but nevertheless permitting uh, dancing to take place. This change will take effect from Monday when late night venues are able to reopen. Honest to God, if anybody had said to me or to you three years ago, right, right, that you would have a gimp, a gimp like Jimmy Cranky, threatening nightclubs, saying, we're on to you. We know that you are trying to avoid asking for vaccine passports. Even though you have a dance floor and you should ask, you're trying to avoid it by putting some tables on some parts of the dance floor. We're going to amend the legislation to prohibit that. We are actually living in these times. And she's getting away with it. 19 and a half minutes past the hour. Do you remember uh, a week or so ago, a, an anesthesiologist was, was kind of, they said he confronted the health secretary, Sadiq Khan. He didn't confront him. They, they, they came together when Khan was visiting, Jesus. They came together when health secretary Sajid Javid was visiting a hospital. 
and he met an anesthesiologist called Steve James, who said that he wouldn't be jabbed, and he gave a very good explanation to Javid as to why he wouldn't be jabbed. That went viral, as is the saying these days. The guy, Steve James, the doctor, was speaking to Talk Radio's Mike Graham today. You know, when you make a decision about a medical intervention with the patient, you're kind of weighing up three things. One is um, the risk of, of having the treatment or not having the treatment. One is the benefit of having the, uh, the treatment. And the other thing is how you as an individual weigh those things up. Mm. So for me, I'd rather, in general, go for uh, a natural health approach uh, for myself rather than uh, give some sort of reliance towards uh, a pharmaceutical intervention. I don't see the risk as being significant for me having uh, the virus. I had it at some point, barely noticed I've had it. Um, and what's the risk? Well, it's not the same as having some saline injected into my the back of my arm. There is a chance. I, I've got colleagues who've had significant medical problems as a re- result of the vaccine, and we haven't got 20 years of data mm. uh, on it. So, yeah, it just, just doesn't make any sense. And it has caused it. injuries to an awful lot of people. And one of the questions I often ask is, why do we not have enough data on the kinds of people who are becoming injured by the vaccine because there must be something they have in common i don't think it's just a random situation where some people are allergic to it or some people react badly to it they ought to presumably be able to collect data to say well these people who suffered as a result of being vaccinated have something in common could we not see those um, data well there are some questions about whether the data is being produced uh, and made available quickly enough it's not an area i particularly focused on but Mm. to me it seems that we knew COVID was going to take this kind of uh, course uh, and for for example there was going to be questions about death rates uh, from COVID from the beginning. We knew that if a vaccine was developed people would want to know nuanced data about the side effect profile so they could make an informed decision. Um, So I'm surprised that there hasn't been a greater process because if it's as safe as we are generally led to believe and it, it, it is a safe vaccine in the sense that the chances of you having a serious outcome that's negative is much, much lower than the positive. Mm. Well, you don't know that, of course. That's a bit dishonest of Steve James. He doesn't know that. But anyway, it's positive, I suppose. They're at least discussing vaccine injuries. Also on Talk Radio this morning, I won't play you the clip, but Dominic Raab, the Justice Secretary and the Deputy Prime Minister, he spoke to Julia Hartley-Brewer. She asked him, would he categorically state that the UK government would never do what the Germans and the Austrians are doing, that is mandating the jabs, but he would not rule that out, unsurprisingly. Jean Anne has got an interesting uh, point on this whole outpouring of grief over a woman that you never knew, who met a very unfortunate end, and a very regrettable end, of course. She says one reason, she says, it vexes people like me and maybe people like Jean Anne, and you maybe, is that this is new, this weird outpouring of grief for those they never knew. A minute's silence in all primary schools today in Ireland, says Jean Anne. Eight years, eight year olds being made aware of what no other child, what no child should be told of. She's right, children forced to observe a minute's silence, but someone they never knew. Kids being made aware of something that they shouldn't be told of. 
no child should be asked to contemplate a vicious murder like that. Hard to get the head around, says Jean Anne. And Christine uh, says, Richie, it's pure hysteria in Ireland. People are murdered every week. They seem to pick and choose who will be catapulted into the media hype. I saw on Twitter yesterday that apparently a bloody Zoom memorial was joined by a man who started relieving himself live on the Zoom call, she says. Wow. Is that right? Yes. I don't know. I I can't follow that. So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take a tune and uh, we'll get Charlie Robinson on. My, My grandfather would laugh when he would say stuff to me. He was one of those that carried the news. There were many people in my neighbourhood, in Ballybeg, in Johns Park, in Lismore Park, who carried the news. They always had news about people that you didn't know. My grandfather would say, hey, did you hear about Stacia Morrissey's son? Honest to God, there were people called Stacia Morrissey in, in Waterford. That was her name. I never heard of Stacia Morrissey. No, I didn't know. Yeah, Derek, yeah, never heard of him, yeah. What what, what happened? Uh, he crashed his car on the way home from Dunmore East last night, and uh, he's dead. They had to cut him out of the car. Terrible, isn't it? And I would say, I couldn't give a shit, Grandad. Honestly. What what you mean? I said, I don't know the chap. Couldn't care less. I don't want to hear about it. I mean, that, that's not to say you're not empathetic, you know, there but for the grace of God. We could all have an accident, and let's hope we don't, right? But I couldn't give an arse. I, mean, I couldn't give a damn. Grandad, yeah. He'd be listening to the death notices on the news, on the wireless, like everybody else in, in commercial radio centres like, like Waterford and Cork. Listen to the death notices, which usually came after the news at noon and at six. Who's dead? Who's dead? So we can talk about it. Like, Jesus Christ, give me a break, Grandad. There's no need for it, like. Stacia Morrissey's son couldn't give an arse. My grandfather would say, let's hope he didn't suffer. I couldn't give a shit, Grandad. You're with the Richie Allen Show. It's uh, the world's most listened to independent news radio show. It's live out of Salford. And I'm the BBG. How are you? How are you? Charlie Robinson next. It's the Divine Comedy and National Express on the Richie Allen Show. 29 minutes past 5 o'clock it is. It's the 18th of January 2022. Thank you for your messages. Keep them coming in. RichieAllen.co.uk Comment live on the menu bar. Leave a message. Go on. Sure you know you want to. I want to say a big uh, thanks to, to, to my first guest today because he's bailed me out somewhat. Uh, I've had a kind of a... He's a last minute substitute. Uh, and uh, I'm thrilled to welcome him back. You know who he is, of course. Mentioned his books a little bit earlier on. He is the author of The Octopus of Global Control and also the co-author of The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. He's also an exceptional broadcaster. It's a great pleasure to welcome back to the programme to help me and you round up the big stories of the week, at least for the next half an hour or so. It's uh, none other than Charlie Robinson. How are you doing, Charlie? I'm great. I'm I'm willing to come in off the bench, get oh, out there on the field, man. and I promise not not to drop dead of a heart attack. No, you were the first person I reached out to. That's the gospel truth, honestly. Uh, I believe my, you. My fingers are not crossed. I actually, I, I, or, ordinarily, <laughs> when somebody when somebody jumps out on me, ordinarily I'd just go by myself for an hour, and I thought, no, let's. Who have I not had on for a bit? I went straight on, and you came up straight away. I said, Charlie's the man. Welcome yeah. back, mate. Um. Well, Thanks for having me. It's I always enjoy our our discussions because we can get into uh, 
we seem to be able to to navigate the serious nature of all these things while also having a good laugh at it. Having a good giggle. So let's start off with a laugh. Will Donald Trump run for president in 2024? Oh, God. I mean, if they want to light this country on fire, he will. But (laughs) I don't, you know, I saw something interesting. I think a lot of people did a couple weeks ago. He did. He's been going around doing these um, con, these I don't know rallies, and um, he did a he did an event with Bill O'Reilly. They packed it up in Florida. Had a lot of people, a lot of good support. But he he drifted into the the talking points about the vaccines and was showered with booze from the audience. And I don't know if he was expecting that. I don't know if the organizers were expecting that. It seems that those those live events went away after that. But I don't know. I don't know if he's the the right guy, because as long as he stays with that narrative, he's going to have a hard time with a certain segment of his base that are wising up and they are not on board with this. So unless he has a um, strategic pivot between now and then, that might not happen. That being said, you know, there's still a ton of enthusiasm for this guy. I, I, I don't I don't fully understand why. I, I get it that he he portrays himself as a bit of an outsider, though he's nothing of the sort. And I and I do like that he stands up to the media and I do like that he puts some people in their place. But but that to me has a lot more showmanship to it than substance. And so I don't know if he's the right fit. I don't think he's the right fit for America if we're trying to make if we're actually trying to make America great again. But um, but I mean, what is the alternative, really? At this point, we don't know who it could be Ron DeSantis or somebody like that who, you know, has his ties uh, in the Middle East as well with our closest ally in the Middle East. I don't know if that's the right. Candidate but he's, either, he's, but he's popular, isn't he, Charlie? Because he, he's, very he's, he's resisted. Uh, you know, uh, we're talking about Florida's Ron DeSantis, aren't we? And he, Correct. he's held back, he's rolled back on restrictions on mask mandates and jab mandates. And for that reason, I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's very popular in his state. Very popular. And what he has done, at least the, the outward facing uh part uh, regarding COVID has been great because Florida has been uh, business as usual. I've been a couple times since this whole thing has has broken out. It's relatively unscathed. So he's going to get credit for that. A bit of a gamble, you know, because she, had this thing uh, gone a different direction, had it actually been what they reported that it was, Texas and Florida may have been you know, they may have been demonized for for not getting on board with this program. But I think these guys rightly saw what was happening. There was a massive agenda. It wasn't anchored in science or reality or logic or anything like that. And and people appreciated Ron DeSantis for standing up for them. They viewed they view him as standing up for the people of Florida. And I think that's really important. So so if Trump isn't the guy and um, they're looking for somebody new. My guess is that it probably will be Ron DeSantis, and um, and he'll leverage that uh, freedom and liberty component to, uh, well, to to probably curb stomp anyone in the Democratic Party that thinks that they're going to win in 2024. Yeah. That party is a mess. The candidates that they're talking about putting out there are no better than the ones that are currently in office. So. Um, you know, it's always been a bit of a, a disaster here watching our, our politics. It's been a bit of like, you know, it's a 
it's a it's a it's a show. It's, it's a zoo, inter- isn't it's, it? It's big business. And Biden and, and and Biden is obviously I I say this with no relish whatsoever. None of us likes ageism. We don't. We're not virtue signalers, but we don't like it. We appreciate our elders. But Joe is not fully there. That's obvious to anybody, isn't it, Charlie? Yeah, it is obvious. And you know, I have I'm a I'm a I'm a loving person. I'm a very compassionate person. And I would have a ton of compassion for somebody like Joe Biden that was thrust into that position. However, Joe Biden is a reprehensible man who has spent four decades destroying America with his policies. So though I do have a bit of empathy for them putting somebody that is clearly past their sell-by date out there into into a position of presidency, I have no sympathy for the guy because— what he has done over the years is shown that he is a very vindictive, aggressive, psychopathic narcissist. And so, um, yeah, no, nobody should be forced into the presidency at that age and in his declining health. But um, but they're not going to get much sympathy from from the general public that's been paying attention to who Biden really is. And, and you know, and frankly, Richie, I think it's more dangerous, you know, with with Biden in there as the president. You really don't know who's in charge. I mean, at least with Donald Trump, you have the illusion that he's in charge. And I think that he was to a certain extent as far as he could be in charge. But with Biden, I don't even think they're like the pretense is gone that he's even fully aware of what's happening. They've moved him into a sound studio away from the White House. Everything is very very stage managed and it seems almost like they're it seems like they're filming a documentary series about what it would be like to be the president but it's not filmed in Washington DC and they're not using the same actor you know they're not using the same people they're using like knockoffs it's it, the whole thing thing seems very um disingenuous and sort of uh fake even to the people that like these people, they're starting to they're starting to recognize the signs. We have Kamala Harris, who cannot answer questions without either cackling or <laughs> deflecting right. with, uh, yeah. oh, well, this is, uh, you know, I can't talk about classified information. She's a lightweight. It's being exposed um, as such. So it's we've got a big problem here in the United States. I mean, a variety of problems. But one of them is the leadership and um, and we'll see how that gets sorted out in the, in the, with the primaries coming up. At coming the end up, of this yeah. Year. Uh, I should have mentioned Charlie is also the author of the really really good read Hypocrisy, uh, surviving in a world of cultural double standards. You'll find those books uh, online and also at you know the the the, the usual online retailers. Uh, you'll also find them at Charlie's website, The Octopus of Global Control. You'll find links to where to buy them. And um, wanted to mention this. I, I've always believed, or I've believed in the last 10, 15 years that it doesn't really matter who's there. Uh, you know, the agenda moves forward anyway, that this is theatre, it's, 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 it's a circus. You've said this to me before. Paul Craig Roberts was on with me last night, and Paul, I asked Paul about tension in, in the Balkans. Okay, so Russia, as clearly said, we're not going to allow the, we're not going to allow Ukraine be invaded by NATO effectively. It's happening today. The UK is sending arms and tanks to Ukraine. This is a serious enough situation. And and Russia is saying, no way. You know, Gorbachev has promised that NATO wouldn't wouldn't continue to move eastwards. It happened anyway. 
they're saying we can't possibly tolerate this, we won't allow it. And I, I put it to, to, to Paul last night about, you know, the part that maybe Biden might play in that, in, in cooling that, or, or, or Boris Johnson. And Paul said, well, look, Richie, ultimately when it comes to things like that, it's the C- CIA that's in control. And the, the, the presidency, or he or she who, who, who holds the presidency, they've really got no power or control over the CIA whatsoever. Do you go along with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think Paul Craig Roberts would know better than anybody as well. That is a um, <laughs> that's above the president's pay grade in in reality. Now they may he'll go out and make speech. He'll talk about it. He'll talk about the importance of it. He'll he'll act tough. He'll do all those things. But the 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 decision for for something like that is 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 lies with the permanent state. Not that not this. Uh, revolving door of presidents that uh, are as as you mentioned selected and and not really elected you know these are these are puppets that are put there to give the illusion that that somebody that we like or we recognize yeah. is in control because you can't put a i mean you can't just say that the CIA is running things they need a face they need a name they need somebody to direct their love or anger towards uh, but the truth of the matter is the real the real truth and i think we all know this is that this 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 layer that maybe you would you would call since we're, we'll talk about call it the deep state right so it's just a bit underneath the surface of this but it stays there it does it's not subject to midterm elections elections in general you don't vote for these people these people are placed there because of their uh, their loyalty to the agenda they know what they're doing we start to see um and it's not just limited to the cia either let's let's also be honest about the role of subversives like george soros and his color revolutions that have taken place in kyrgyzstan and you know every ukraine i mean he's he's ukraine is is on the list this is a place that's going to be actively destabilized by the west as part of a some sort of proxy war with Russia. It's a very dangerous game that we, that we are we are playing. And unfortunately, and this sounds crazy, but it is 100% true. Unfortunately, a lot of times these things take the uh, priority simply as a distraction yes. from some of the job, the, the poor handling of other things, yeah. Afghanistan, COVID, uh, you know, inflation, uh, bear, sh- bear shelves, Biden, all of these things that are going on right now and painting this administration in a really poor light. There's always the tendency to want to pivot to something else that changes the news cycle, that gets the cameras focused on something else. And I wouldn't be surprised. And it's all, all, always a dangerous game, of course. I mean, you don't want to play chicken with Russia. This is this is dangerous. And and we in the United States are constantly propagandized to about how how dangerous Russia is. Russia, Russia, Russia. They Interfering in elections. They've rigged our all elections. All that nonsense. Rich, yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, they're just, they're every, everywhere we looked. I mean, Rachel Maddow told me that Vladimir Putin was going to cut off the oil and so that we would, ha- in the winter, there'd be no heating in the Northeast. I mean, and are just, they, sorry, Charlie, this is really important. Yep. Are they actually making outlandish claims like that on your news channels? Nightly. Yeah. Absolutely. With no yeah, evidence whatsoever to support any of it. They just say this stuff, terrified the bejesus out of the population, and they don't give any right of reply to anybody from Russia. And that's just how it goes, right? Sources close to the Kremlin's wow. thinking said 
<laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, it's nonsense. It's, it's made up. It's, you know, so they, they do that. And of course, you know, we, we understand this game, so we know what to look for. We hear the the terms. We we recognize these these statements, and we know who who's making them. But but look for the for the average family, the 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 dad who's got three kids, and he's trying to get out of the you know he's trying to get out of the house in the morning, have some coffee, and he's watching thirty minutes of the news to try and he doesn't have time to sort all this out. He doesn't know if Russia's really doing this or not. He's just being told that 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 this is happening. And, and he's thinking, and he's thinking about effect. his bills, Charlie, isn't he? He's thinking about his yeah. energy bills going through the roof, which, of course, is happening here in the UK. But it's all artificial. It's it's part of a plan. They're they're they're, they're blaming you know the pandemic forward, and now they're saying businesses are reopening and there's a massive demand for energy and this is why the prices are going up and then they're they're making the same threats here about Russia you know Russia the bad bastards in the east you know they might close down pipelines it's all rubbish fear 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 and it's it is genuinely terrorizing people and i wouldn't mind but you'll remember this when it comes to what happened in ukraine the basically the overthrow of yanukovych in ukraine orchestrated by victoria newland the Eurasian Secretary of State or, or whichever position she held, you know, the phone calls that were tapped where she was talking yeah. about Yats being our man. Let's put Yatsenyuk in there. I mean, to be fair to the media at the time, they reported on the fact that the West overthrew the democratically elected president of Ukraine to put a person in there that suited them. We know this to be true. And yet people's yeah. memories, nobody seems to remember this in 2022. No, we have selective amnesia. The media makes sure of that. They keep us in the constant state of of uh, of uneasiness. That's part of these psychological operations that have been run on us. Uh, the media is a, a, a you know I've described it like this. Whether whether we're talking about the John F. Kennedy assassination, or we're talking about nine eleven, or we're talking about COVID, or we're talking about any of these regime change wars. The mainstream corporate whore media is always driving the getaway car. You know, without them, none of these things take off the way they do. So you've got to have media involvement if you want to sell these narratives. And what we're seeing, at least here in the U.S., although I don't think it's limited to the United States, is that the credibility is falling apart for these people. Now, they shouldn't have had any credibility to begin with, but I recognize that there's a large segment of the population that still has a relationship with their television news media where they turn on the TV and they think that they're going to get the news. And for those people, the the role of corporate news is so essential because it keeps them within the established talking point, points. It gets them from from starting to speculate. It 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 it, sh- it demonizes cons- you know any anybody outside of these norms as conspiracy theorists. So it's it's essential for keeping these things going but in the united states the the trust in media is falling off a cliff and um you know look these people have nobody to blame but themselves because they've been constantly lying they've been caught with their lies they double down they hire news presenters that are defective at best and pedophiles at worst and and we're expected to trust them it's very it's been an, an awakening you know, COVID has simultaneously broken people's brains and caused another segment of the population to wake up to all this. So, yeah. it's hey, a speaking, very interesting time. Uh, Charlie, thanks. Charlie Robinson is our guest, by the way. We've got Charlie for another 15, 20 minutes. Lovely to have him back on the program. The uh, Octopus of 
global control, technocracy, uh, no, no, hypocrisy, what's wrong with me? We're going to talk about technocracy in a few minutes. Hypocrisy is another book you should check out. Uh, as I said, all good online retailers and not so good ones, but go to Charlie's website, The Octopus of Global Control, just look for that and you'll find it. Great to have him back on the programme. Speaking of COVID, Craig has reminded me on my website of something Paul Craig Roberts said yesterday. We've been given a bit of credit to Ron DeSantis, but Paul was telling me about a patient that Paul was writing about this on his website, a patient dying in Florida and and has been refused access to the antiviral drugs like 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 ivermectin. I didn't realize that is is that the case in Florida? Is Florida also you know, holding back ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Sorry to throw this out. I don't expect you to know everything, Charlie. I know you know plenty. You don't have to have every bloody answer. Yeah. But what do we know about Florida and, and the antiviral drugs? Well, I don't know about that in Florida, but I do know actually happening in Florida, but I know that there is a hospital case with a gentleman whose whose family is trying to petition to get him ivermectin as soon as possible, and, and that's being withheld. See, it's... It's things like this, though, that make, you know, the the average person that's trying to wrap their head around this, they're not in this conspiracy alternative world. They're just an, a normal person. They're listening. They're watching this and they're going, hang on a second. You told us if it just saves one life, you know, it, it, if, if it, wear the mask to protect others, if, you know, take the shots to save other people. Here we have a person who is dying and they are be, they are requesting a drug uh, that is legal that won the Nobel Prize in in 2016 or 2015 and this is and it's available as a as a generic you know we obviously understand the 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 finances behind this you're not going to make a bunch of money prescribing ivermectin the fact that hospitals are denying this i think is an indicator to people that there's something not right here now of course the reason why they're denying this is because in order to have this emergency use authorization designation there can't be any other alternative treatments and as long as ivermectin is out there they have to pretend like it's not because the minute that the minute they approve that and say well that's fine yeah you can use ivermectin it's close enough it's not for this but it's related and we'll try anything as soon as they do that the, the emergency use authorization uh, designation falls apart. They no longer can call these vaccines vaccines. They have to refer to them as what they really are, which is gene therapy. And so the whole narrative falls apart. So you're going to see in terms of the narrative builders, the ivermectin hill is the hill to die on for them, because if they lose this, then they lose it all. They lose the entire uh, control of the narrative. Don't they? I tell you what, Charlie, it's great having you on today. It's great having you on any day, but a story has just flashed across my screen, and that is, I'm, I'm sure you know about this, but the BBC reporting in the UK that a group of inmates at a jail in Arkansas are taking action against the state of Arkansas, saying that they were unknowingly prescribed wait for it, the horse deworming drug ivermectin to treat COVID-19. Oh, the irony here. This drug probably helped these guys. It probably helped these guys. But now they, they see they see the dollar signs and a possible lawsuit. Small doses of ivermectin are approved for use on humans, says the BBC, but health officials have warned against using it for COVID. Apparently they gave it to some of these prisoners in Arkansas when they were obviously unwell, now the guys are saying, well, we're going to sue over that. That's laughable, isn't it? 
Yeah, but it's great though because the <laughs> the because look, ivermectin is approved for human beings. Yes, it's, it, it's used to treat river blindness. It it, it just it's helped uh, many people in South America and Central Africa. It's it's it like I said, it won the Nobel Prize. It's a very very important drug. It's just that they've got to demonize it. So I love that the prisoners are now using sort of that, uh, the, the weaponization of ivermectin against them, right? So now they'll get 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 them in court and say, well, listen, you gave me this unproven horse pace that you guys keep going on and on about. So we're going to sue you for it. Now they're going to have to defend themselves and say, Fantastic. well, it wasn't really horse pace. It actually works. And say, gotcha. Isn't that wonderful? The state of Arkansas, as you brilliantly explained there, Charlie, will have to defend the value of ivermectin in treatment viruses and viral like conditions. The, what yeah. was it that that, that, uh, that that they did back in the 60s? Was it um, was it uh, what's his name? The writer for, uh, for Rolling Stone who said they accused somebody of uh, of uh, screwing dogs or something. He says, I didn't I, I just wanted him to have to deny it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That was like Lyndon Johnson. On the record, that's right. Get it on the record, denying having yeah, sex yeah, with animals. Yeah. Brilliant. Charlie Robinson is our guest. We could talk uh, a little bit more about uh, coronavirus, of course, with Charlie. And we will in a moment. We'll ask about the mask mandates. But here's a very bizarre story, Charlie. I I, uh, I sent a message to, to, to my old pal, I'm, I'm sure you know him, uh, Kevin Barrett, earlier on about this. I'm in the yeah. northwest of, of the UK, as you know. I'm in... I'm in uh, Salford, which is in Greater Manchester, and I'm only a stone's throw from Blackburn. Now, we were told over the last few days that a man called Malik Faisal Akram from Blackburn um, went into a synagogue in Texas and held people hostage for a time until he was eventually shot dead by the police. And it is about the most bizarre story I've read for some time. Now, for my Jewish friends and listeners... Um, listen, I'm not denying that sometimes Jewish people are targeted for being Jewish and I'm sure that people going to the synagogue are sometimes shouted at in places and we, we know this, I'm not denying it. But this is a bizarre story because this man was supposed to be mentally ill. He also has a criminal record which begs the question how, in these, particularly in these COVID times when it's difficult to get into the United States anyway, how did this guy manage to get a visa with a criminal record, let alone how did a mentally ill man manage to pick up a weapon and then go into a synagogue where apparently he claimed he was homeless so they would give him a cup of tea. And what's even more bizarre about the story is the rabbi and I don't doubt this. Well, I say I don't doubt the guy. I don't know. The rabbi is a guy called Charlie Citron Walker. And he spoke to CBS and he said, well, the man basically went on a tirade against every ethnic group you could think of, Charlie. He gave it to the gays. He gave it to the blacks. He gave it to the whites. Apparently, he gave it to the Muslims, even though the guy comes from a Muslim family. And eventually, he sat down and seemed to be calming, at which point the rabbi threw a chair at him, and everybody ran out, the police stormed in and killed him. Charlie, do you remember that lovely scene in, in Top Gun, when Maverick says, our plane was inverted, and Iceman says, bullshit? I just don't believe this, Charlie. I've never heard such crap in all my life. Do you know about this story, and if so, what's really going on? I heard a little bit about the story, but I didn't get into the details of it. It seems, look, there's always some angle here. This is this is the problem, and and, and I will I will echo what you say about um, I'm not denying that sometimes Jewish people are targeted. Like I grew up in a in a in an area where 
half my friends were Jewish. You know, I had to go to I would go to Sunday school with them if I spent the night over at their house. They, so they would call me Charlie Robinstein. I mean, I was in Temple more than <laughs> more than some of my some of my Jewish friends, you know. But but there is a thing that happens. There is a thing that happens here in the United States in particular. There are a lot of times that people get caught faking anti-Semitic uh, uh, dis- uh, discrimination in the in the form of vandalism and writings all over the doors of dorm rooms. This happens at least you know, at least four times a year here that it makes it into the nightly news where it's anti-Semitic, um, you know, yeah. writings were found all over this place and this place was torn down. It was broken into and it was say Jews go home and all this stuff and everything. And then it comes out when the security camera footage is released or whatever, that it was the guy himself doing it. And so I, that's am, rare though, Charlie. I, I like to think that's a rare thing. I, I mean, I, I like to think it's a rare thing yeah. too, except it keeps happening so much here that I'm starting to think it's more of a pattern than it is a one-off. But this so guy, Charlie, hang on. I'm not denying that it, that that might have happened before. Look, I I know I know I know the nicest Jewish people you could ever meet in Manchester, and they have had a bit of it. You know, the vandalism of the headstones in in in, in the cemetery. There has been a bit of that going on. Look, they're very stoic about it. They're not political. They don't look for any sympathy. They just get on with it. Look, I'm not denying that what you're saying has happened. This one is bizarre, Charlie, because this guy is from Blackburn. He went to to, to Texas. Uh, apparently, there there might be something to do with this. This might have something to do with the to, with with the prison sentence being handed down to a Pakistani woman who was a scientist about ten years ago um, for allegedly plotting terrorist attacks. But but this guy seems to be genuine. His family are known in Blackburn. And he did end up in this synagogue where he ended up being shot to death. So I don't think there's any suggestion that the, that the rabbi or anybody connected with the synagogue have got anything to do with this. They seem to be fairly bewildered. But I'm just not buying the story that this guy could get into the States, that he could get a gun and that he could attack the synagogue. I just don't get it, Charlie. This is mad. We don't need to import lunatics into no, the United States. Right. We're full already. <laughs> yes, we're, we're, we're overflowing. You're trying to though. export over there. You're trying, you're trying to get rid of them. We would love to. We would love to export them. But, you know, the thing is about getting a gun here, it's, um, you know, if you do it, if you're a criminal and you want to get a gun, it's easy. You just do it. A, you just do it an illegal way. If, yeah. You're law-abiding and you want to get a gun. What you find is that it's a huge production to get a gun. You have to apply here and you have to wait several days and they do a background check. There's a lot of uh, effort that goes into that. But but in America, if you want to get a gun and you want to shoot someplace up, it's easy to do. But um, in, as far as his agendas and the backstory and all of that, it's mental, Charlie. Boy, it's I mean, just he's another day in paradise. Yeah, here. he's he's Malik from. We'll leave this story here, and I want to talk about ma- uh, vax mandates before our time is up. And thanks for coming on, pal. It's great to have, have you on today. But Malik oh, is, is you're always welcome, buddy. Malik is a is is a, a gentleman from Blackburn. He has mental health problems and a criminal record. Charlie, I am pretty sure I, I'm not stupid. I'm not the brightest spark, but I'm not stupid. But if I was to travel to Texas next week, I would find it very difficult to source an illegal weapon on the street. Of course I would. How the hell would I know where to go? 
I mean, I'm not just going to ask random passers-by on the street. Hey, listen, with my accent, can you imagine it? I'm looking to buy a gun. <laughs> so I just don't believe that this guy was able to source a gun. It's the craziest story I've ever well, come across to be honest. Well, one of them anyway. Yeah. We, we, we do have a, a history here in the United States of, of the FBI whipping up low IQ or mentally un, unwell people into fits of rage arming them or providing them with the materials necessary to build bombs and things like that, and then putting them in situations where this stuff can happen. This this is the FBI's speciality. <laughs> I mean, this is what they do. Yeah. So so this actually to me it, it kind of has the, it, it kind of has the sounds of a, of a setup, you know, whenever you always find one of these guys, that's kind of easily manipulated. Um, someone on the lower spectrum of the intelligence level, maybe even has learning disabilities or things like that. And if they, if you throw in the added bonus of them being a bit mentally ill or maybe on medications that you can take them off of medications rapidly, you can you can put them in situations where they are easily manipulated, and of course we see that happening here quite often. And um, but but that's how the FBI justifies their budgets. You know, when 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 they don't get actual organic terrorism, then they manufacture it to. That's suit their a needs. good point, Charlie. Things have been quiet during the COVID scam. That's an excellent point. I didn't think of that. Yes, we've had very little to do, lads. Somebody might think about dropping a couple of million dollars out of our budget or, 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 or more. Yeah, let's uh, let's stir something up, a bit of domestic terrorism. Excellent. Charlie Robinson is our guest. Charlie, we've got about five or six minutes left. I've been watching with, with horror, as you have, Austria, Germany, even Greece, mandating jabs in Greece for older people, in Austria for everyone, fines. It's horrendous. We're, we're worried about it here. We're watching the States with great interest because... The federal government wants to mandate it, and then judges intervene and say no, and then your, your your government comes back and says yes. What do you understand the situation to be in your vast country at the moment? There obviously is an agenda to force every federal worker, and ultimately everybody else, to have these jabs. How is that agenda going? Is there any resistance to it there? There is resistance from the people, for sure. Um, well, for a, from a segment of the people. Uh, the Supreme Court recently said that the the OSHA mandate that's in O S H A Occupational Safety Hazard Association they're the they're the watchdog group that makes sure that companies that are operating in the United States aren't putting you know they're not putting some guy's desk next to a, next to a fire extinguisher or something you know what I mean they they go through and make sure that the workplace is safe there's certain rules and regulations so when Biden couldn't get the vaccine mandate passed. The normal traditional way, he tried to go around it and say, well, we'll just have OSHA enforce it on companies that have 100 or more employees. And people went, what? That is crazy. That's first of all, it's not their job. They shouldn't be doing that. But that's insane. That recently went. The Supreme Court just spoke about that and they said, no, we're not that that is not going to happen. We are not going to mandate that. But what we are going to do is we're going to go ahead and confirm what the White House wanted, which was to mandate it for uh, hospital workers so yeah. that they are now bound by getting the jab. So they're getting pushback uh, from from hospital workers, for sure. The hospitals themselves are facing problems because they have staffing shortages because, you know, look, they're trying to make the nurses get the jab. 
a segment of the nurses are saying, we're not doing it. They're saying, all right, well, you can't come to work then. So they say, we're not going to work. Then the people that are left there that are jabbed are working double duty. Now they're all getting sick and the hospital's changing their policies. They're not changing their policies saying, let's go bring back those unjabbed nurses that are healthy. They're, no, no, they're changing their policies and they're saying, okay, all of you jabbed workers that are sick and have COVID, it's okay. You can still come in and work anyway. So yeah. it doesn't make any sense. They are, they, and while simultaneously, mind you, accusing all of us of being anti-science, which is the most preposterous thing around. So it's it's reaching, you know, we, we have some people on the far left that think that everybody should be held down and forcibly injected. I mean, those people are mentally ill and they are lost. But But the vast majority of Americans are of the opinion of, listen, if you want the shot, you get the shot. If you don't want the shot, don't get the shot. But you can't force people into a medical experiment that hasn't cleared stage three trials. Uh, this is insanity. Yeah. And and we have laws preventing that. And 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 so if you're just going to go around the laws whenever you feel like there's an emergency, then we, we understand that you guys are going to keep creating emergencies to justify your use of going around the laws. Well so, said, Charlie. Well yeah, said. And what a dangerous I like, time. Dangerous. And what I like from what you said is it would appear you have more... It's more likely that in your country that a jabbed person might stand up for the rights of the unjabbed. I, I'm, I'm getting that when I read the American newspapers. Like, yeah. the jabbed here, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't generalise, but my experience of the jabbed here is, well, I was jabbed, so you have to be jabbed too. But it seems in your country that they're more moderate. Well, I was jabbed, but that was my personal choice. You do what you want. And that, that's, that's the way through that, I think. We, we have some of that for sure. We, we, we definitely have, we just have a mix. We have a little bit of, of some of the people that have been jabbed saying, listen, I, I took this for my, you know, this is my choice, but I don't think that it should be mandated for everybody else. That's, this seems insane. So we, there is some, some sanity, but it is, um, you know, it, but if you go by what the media says, the media will have you believing that everybody has already made a decision on this and that yeah. the decision is everybody must take the shot no matter what immediately starting today. And if there's boosters, you take those too. If it's up to the media, that's how they're have lying, you thinking, of course. The media doesn't, yes, doesn't because come. millions of your fellow countrymen and women have not had a jab. We're just about out of time, but I, I wanted to ask you something you mentioned today. Now, Kev Baker will, I'm, I'm sure, be known to listeners of this programme. I, I never met Kev, regrettably. I never had a chat with him. But I, I knew that he was creating a lot of very interesting content on YouTube and on podcasts for some years, the Kev Baker Show. And uh, I understand that Kev passed away earlier this month. Um, so sincere condolences. I, I, I didn't know this. Charlie left me in on this uh, today. I wasn't aware of it because I said I didn't know Kev. Uh, but I know that he was liked. So, you know, sincere condolences to uh, his friends and family and to his supporters. And Charlie, I know you were very close to Kev. You did a lot of work with him. Yeah. Yeah. Kev was um, based in Glasgow, Scotland. He had he was on Truth Frequency Radio. He did over two thousand radio shows. A lot of them simulcast on YouTube. Had a great following. He loved this. He loved getting into what he called the woo. You know the the craziness of it all. Yeah, we talked politics. We talked about all that. But let's talk about space. Let's talk about supercomputing. Let's talk about multiple dimensions. He liked 
to fit. He wanted to know how it all worked. And I, Kev Baker had me on as a regular guest once a month for four years. He was like a brother to me. He lost his long battle against COPD uh, on January 2nd. And there is a GoFundMe set up for him to help to support his wife and son who were left behind. If you are so inclined, if people are interested in GoFundMe, you can look up Kev Baker or you can come to my Twitter page at macroaggressions, I will put up the, I have the, I put the link up before I'll put it up again for, for all of you. I'll, 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 I'll make it available. If you are in a position where you have more money than time, please donate some money to the cause. If you have more time than money, then please take the link and spread it around to your friends or family. It would mean a lot to me. And thank you, Richie, for allowing me the opportunity to speak about Kev. He meant a lot to not just me, but to a lot of people in the alternative media and he will be truly missed. Not at all, Charlie. He was platforming people that couldn't get a voice or couldn't get a look in anywhere else for several years. So he was obviously one of the good guys. Like I said, we we never met. It's one of those things. Um, so that's a nice thing. Go fund me and just look for Kev Baker or go to Macro Aggressions on Twitter and follow Charlie uh, there. That was a nice tribute, Charlie. And Charlie, of course, is the author of Hippocrazy, uh, Hippocrazy or Hippocrazy. It's pronounced Hippocrazy. Surviving in a World of Cultural Double Standards, also the Octopus of Global Control. Excellent reads. Uh, until next time, let's do it again next month, Charlie. And thanks for coming off the bench today wearing the number seven shirt and sticking it in the back of the net. Thanks, Charlie. Upper right. You got it, baby. Thank you for having me on, Richie. Always a pleasure. Our friend, Charlie... Robinson there, live on the line uh, today. It's eight minutes past six. Lovely to have him on. And just to, to give a mention again, uh, if um, you, you were a supporter of Kev Baker's or you knew him or you want to help out his family, uh, go fund me and just look for Kev Baker and you'll find it there. Thanks to Charlie for that. It is uh, Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. I've given you the time already. We're going to be talking about a song that's racing up the download charts. And it's a COVID-themed song. Truth Bombs, my friend Martin Noakes uh, reliably informs me, dropping all over uh, the COVID situation. We'll be speaking to a gentleman who is known, his, his stage name is Mad Mix. We'll be speaking to Mick uh, in around about five or six minutes' time. I'll be reading your comments as well. I'll, I'll try and squeeze in a few of them. I'm kind of running behind time now, but that's my fault. It's certainly not your fault. Uh, in the meantime, let's do this. The Richie Allen Show features doctors, scientists, academics and researchers who have been banned by the legacy media. Support Richie now by making a financial contribution at richieallen.co.uk. Are you a company based in the northwest of England who want to improve their profile via social media? Yes! Well, you could go out in the car park and film something on your phone, but it's not very good, is it? No! Sounds terrible, yes! the picture's not that great. Yes! Try Ensign Films. We're a new video production company based in the heart of Manchester. We're really old, we've had loads of experience, and we can work within your budget. Don't go out in the car park with Debbie from Accounts. Seriously, ensignfilms.co.uk. The Richie Allen Show relies on your support. Visit richieallen.co.uk and make a financial contribution today. Ten minutes past the hour. Got some really good guests coming up tomorrow and uh, Thursday as well. I really will try to remember to tell you who they are a bit later on. Although I might maintain that link to the old school way of doing things. Gay Byrne, the, the great Irish radio presenter, rest in peace, would never tell you who was coming up on the programme. Not even at the beginning of the programme, would you believe? The Late Late Show and even his radio show. And my mentor, Billy McCarthy, would never 
during the daily radio programme, he would open it at 10 o'clock, but would never say who's coming on. Now, I would have produced the programme. I would have booked all the guests and given him all the info. But he would open the programme and say, good morning, welcome to the programme, and then get into the first guest. And he wouldn't tell you who's coming on a bit later on. So maybe I'll do it that way in the future. I won't tell you. Hi to Toronto man. Thank you for the message there. Uh, and Colm says, Richie, Robert David Steele has passed away. He says, another one. It's mysterious, says Colm. Thanks for that, Colm. Uh, Jim says, it's all part of the plan to destroy the healthcare system. I've heard it could affect nearly 12 million healthcare workers in the United States. There are those, Jim, who would agree with you, and they see it happening here, right here. I, I wrote about this on the website today. You know, the Royal Colle College of Nurses and, and other organisations are screaming at the government, do not force this vax on people who do not want it. It is effectively going to collapse the National Health Service. The government isn't listening. The government is absent. Hi to Wes, who says, big push among southern hospitals to go ahead and get your religious exemptions in now. Blanket emails sent to staff, says Wes. Thanks for that, Wes. Pandora says OSHA complied with the mask mandates too, despite knowing they do not work and are hazardous. UK Health and Safety and the unions also went against the employees and in the teacher's case, they went against the kids. That's right, we talked about it on the programme yesterday. Faisal says, I know what you mean, Richie. Some of these stories, you do need to wonder if any part of the story actually happened. I've been checking in on the changing story or the ever-changing Alec Baldwin-Rust incident and wondering about that too. Interesting that I, I've not really followed that, Faisal, but there are those who I know who are looking at it. They think it's pretty bizarre as well. Darren says that he misses Trump. At least Trump could string a sentence together and communicate it with North Korea and Russia, who appeared to have a certain amount of respect for him, says Darren. Thanks for that, Darren. Well, you know, there, there are people who profoundly disagree with me. And they say, Richie, don't forget, he wanted to normalise relations with Russia. I had some great, robust exchanges with Paul Craig Roberts, who we love, I love. Uh, obviously very affectionate, robust exchanges, but robust they were. When I said to Paul, give over, Paul. And Paul said, no, Richie, this guy had the illusion when he was elected president that he could do these things before he was put back in his box. Now, Paul didn't put it quite like that, but that's how he put it. Yes. Hi to Jake too. How are you doing, Jake? Hi to Anne Talbot. How are you doing, Anne? Hi to Colin. Uh, how are you doing, Colin? To Katie, who bought Charlie's book uh, and thought it was brilliant and a provoking, thought-provoking and funny read. Thanks, Katie. Yes, loads of comments coming in. Sue says, Richie, every hospital entity is separate from the state. They get their money from the federal government. If they go against federal guidelines, they do not get paid. Wake up, people, says Sue. Thank you, Sue. And Julia thinks the case of the person denied the ivermectin might be in Minnesota and not in Florida. Thanks for that, uh, Julia. Oakley, Dokley. And Martin. Ah, Martin, thank God I saw that. I'll do that now. Who am I talking? I'm talking to Martin Noakes, who's been sending messages 
uh, posting messages on my website as well. Let me tell you briefly about this song. Martin got in touch with me. That is the wonderful Martin Noakes. Lovely man. I met him at the People's Voice in London. He is a gifted musician, singer, songwriter, genuinely gifted. He's also an absolute gentleman. And he was a huge help to that project in London. And I've been in touch with him ever since. In fact, he's done some editing. Uh, for this programme, some of the jingles and the theme tune to this programme was uh, done by Martin. Maybe he doesn't get thanked enough for that. Thank you, Martin. He said to me, Richie, I've released this song that I put together with a guy called Mad Mix, whose name is Mick, who's a really interesting activist, Richie says. The song is doing well and we're hoping for an official UK chart position. Now, this week's chart sales end at midnight this Thursday. And uh, Martin said, Richie, give this song a spin and have a chat with Mick. Well, absolutely right. When have I ever said no? So the song is called Killer Killer COVID. Let's have a listen to it. And hopefully on the other side of it, we'll hook up with Mick and we might even get a word from Martin too. Hello, good day and welcome. Michael Manuel Chaves. Chaves. On the mic. Mike. 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 Yeah. yeah. Killer, 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 killer COVID. COVID. Here's the thing guys, at the same time they're trying to sell me and you our first injection whilst they're saying oh yeah yeah you'll have your first and your second but they'll not work so you'll need your third and then your fourth and then your fifth and then your sixth. It doesn't uh, protect you against catching the disease and it doesn't protect you against passing it or passing it or passing it off. I'm not getting that. The ones who had COVID and didn't have bad symptoms, they said, well, yeah, but if I hadn't had the vaccine, it could have been a lot worse. And then those who ended up quite ill said, yeah, but if I didn't have the vaccine, I could have ended up in hospital. And those who ended up in hospital said, oh yeah, but if I didn't have the vaccine, I could have ended up dead. And those that ended up dead said, oh no, they didn't say, well, oh, I did they? Because they died of the killer, 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 COVID. Hold on a minute. Why don't doctors want to take this injection? Why don't nurses want to take this injection? Why don't paramedics and midwives want to take this injection? You think maybe that would make them question? There are millions of us. The resistance isn't Michael Manuel I'll chase. No, the resistance is bigger. The resistance is millions of people. We're on the up. We're winning this. The JCVI said don't vaccinate the children and you're vaccinating the children. Why? Why? Ten times as many people died this August as last August and there was no vaccine last August. Why? 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 No one wants to talk about that. Mad Mix wants to talk about that. Mad Mix will talk about that. Every finish of day. Killer, 
Killer, killer COVID by Mad Mix on the Richie Allen Show. The time is 18 minutes past six. Produced by Martin Oakes. Mad Mix is on the line. He's also known as Mick. How are you doing, Mick? I hope you yeah, can I'm hear me. Ah, oh, you're How there. You? Thank God for that. Listen, congratulations on the track. It is absolutely outstanding, Mick. There might be a problem with the line... There might be a slight delay. Maybe you've got the show on in the background. Maybe you want to turn it down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, Richie. You're right. Hold on one sec. Give me one sec. Yeah, you see, they were listening to me on the same device. Now, Martin Noakes is a bit of a technical genius. And the Uh, fact that he was caught out by that. Schoolboy error. Schoolboy error. Absolute schoolboy error, Noakes. Welcome, Uh, Martin. And welcome, Mick. Lovely to have you on. The track is absolutely dynamite. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I'm, um, I'm shocked and excited about it. Um, it came as a bit of a surprise to me when Martin asked if he could sample my voice and um, and then what he produced I thought he was just going to use like one or two lines in a different song but he made the whole song was me and yeah it was a, a bit of a surprise to me never imagined that I'd have a record in the charts let alone number one in the Amazon charts it's number it's one not- in the Amazon charts that is astonishing and it could go even higher than that it, it could break other charts because on Thursday, they released the chart sales at midnight, and you're hoping that people will buy it. Before, we're going to do this several times. Before we even talk about it and, and, and what you guys are doing, where can people buy the track or download it? Tell, tell us that straight away. Um, you can buy it on iTunes, um, Spotify, and Amazon. Is there any more mine? Yeah, I'll send, you a, I'll send you a link to a website where you can buy it from. Brilliant. And later on, at the very latest tomorrow morning, but later on, I'll stick a link to it on 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 my website for, for what it's worth. Brilliant stuff. Thank you. So it came about Telegram, because you're on Telegram, Mick. You've got a big following on Telegram and on Facebook. And Martin, I think you were following what Mick was doing there. Put, Mick was putting out information, obviously information that you don't get on the BBC and ITV. Is that how you, you guys hooked up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it started, uh, obviously, when, when the COVID started. I I had a conspiracy channel on YouTube. It was about a mix of mad conspiracies, hence the name ended up Mad Mix Conspiracies. And, you know, I, I talked about all conspiracies, no matter how crazy they were, you know, even Elvis getting off a UFO, all that kind of rubbish. <laughs> but, um, what do you mean COVID- rubbish, Mick? What do you mean, Rubbish? Of course, Elvis was taken away by the aliens. Come of on. course, of course. That's what everyone <laughs> told me at the time. <laughs> but um, no, seriously. And then the COVID started and um, I, I got a, a huge following on Facebook, I, up to about 30,000 followers on my page on Facebook. And, and they kept shutting me down. So I ended up over on Telegram. Now, Telegram is great, but everyone who's over there already knows what we know. We're right. kind of... Yeah. We're preaching to the choir over on Telegram, so we don't get our message out to the to the general public. So what we started doing was being more active, getting out there in the streets. You know, every weekend um, we're in a different town centre. We do speeches on the mic, trying to explain to people about the um, the 
the deaths caused by the messenger RNA gene therapy. We hand out leaflets, we hand out the light newspaper. Um, it's, it's like a full-time job. And we do do one of the things that I know you particularly dislike. We, um, we serve notices of liability and it, it riles people up, you know, whether they, whether they work, whether they do anything, I have no idea. But then it makes the mainstream media talk about us. And at the end of the day, that's where the people are listening on the mainstream media. And Fair they need to me. know that ex-ambulance men are saying that the snake oil is is dangerous and killing people. Even so, um, even current ambulance drivers. I, I had a gentleman on last night. Yes, I heard. I heard. Yeah. That was, isn't it was, shocking, though, isn't it, that they, they have to come to a place like this to, to, to say this. This is a serving ambulance driver. And listen, I don't dislike the serving notices at all, Mick. I just despair that... You know, if the system is as rigged as we think it is, I sometimes think, well, you know, it might be a waste of time to try and beat them in courts, but th that's not me telling people what to do or certainly not what to think. It's just how, how I feel. But no, I love what you're doing, going out weekends. You know, I've, I've heard about Rebels on Roundabouts. I've heard about what you're doing, engaging with people. I think that is genuinely fantastic. Tell me, how do you get on when you say to somebody, well, look, here's um, a copy of the light paper or here's some information about the yellow card data reporting. What sort of response do you, do you generally get, Mick? Well, I'll tell you, uh, the responses changed dramatically when um, when the health minister said you'll need a booster for your booster. Yeah. All of a sudden, people were saying, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. I've done what, exactly what you told me. I've got two injections. You're still going to lock me down over Christmas, and now you want me to have an injection every three months. They're, they're coming to us when we've got our light newspapers and our leaflets, and they're, like, honestly shocked with the information that we've got because they've spent the last two years only watching the BBC, only following the government narrative. When we start telling them about the alternative narrative and the yellow card reporting system and the VAERS system, that they are genuinely shocked. So we're getting a lot of people coming over now. We've got people now in the resistance who have been double jabbed and are now so angry with what what they've been forced to do that you know they they they're looking for answers they're looking for not a way out i don't know if there ever is going to be a way out i don't know how we win this i know we do win this but i don't know how but the people that are coming over to us are generally now very upset with the government that's a really interesting point you made about people with two jobs being irate i've experienced that uh, mick that's excellent not excellent that they've been jabbed but that they you know were, were aware enough, like when they were asked to have a third one, that many of them, that was the point that they thought, well, something is very wrong here. Because they remember Matt Hancock way back in, in, in 2020 saying like 15 million jabs to freedom. Remember that, Mick? Just 15 million jabs. I think we've given, in this country, they've given about 140 million now. You know what's been frustrating me, Richard? They, they've been moving the goalposts since day one. Yeah. You know, they were talking about... Um, Immunity, you know, like all they need to inject is so many people and then they'll develop an immunity and it will spread across the country. We only need to inject the old people. Oh, no, hold on a minute. We'll inject everyone over 70. No, no, no. To get herd immunity, we'll inject everyone over 50. And now all of a sudden they want to inject five-year-old children. 
you know, I'm not happy about this. I'm very angry. My granddaughter's going to be five very soon. I'm very angry about this. So that's why I'm out doing what I'm doing. And when they do say they're going to inject children with this, then we will go to the primary schools. We will serve the headmasters of the primary schools and we will make a song and dance over it and tell people outside the schools that that vaccination is killing people. There's no two ways about it. It's not like we're making this information up. The vaccination now has killed more people than the COVID ever did. The COVID, people only ever died with COVID. Nobody ever died of COVID. And people ain't looking at that statistic. No, you know, I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump all over you there now because if I didn't, I wouldn't be doing my job. Sorry, I, 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 no, no, no. I know why you suspect that that the jabs might have killed more people than COVID, and I know that's what you believe, and I'm kind of sympathetic to that. But the truth is, that's not something we can say with total certainty. We don't know. We suspect, but we don't know. I totally agree with you that it's farcical, Mick, to say um, uh, 150,000 people died within 28 days of being tested positive. That is horse manure, that. I, I totally Absolutely. agree with you. But as to whether COVID is... Can I ask you a question, not putting you on the spot, not trying to embarrass you at all. Um, I'm on the fence about whether it exists or not. I work on the basis that there was some sort of virus that was a bit nasty. That's how I work, because I don't know any better. What do you think? Do you think it exists or it didn't exist or... Was it the flu? I mean, flu disappeared, didn't it, for two winters straight? I mean, that's a bit strange. What do you think yourself? I, I absolutely believe, right, that if, if it did exist, when it first turned up on the scene, when I first heard about it uh, two years ago, it was called coronavirus. And we all looked up what coronavirus was. We all needed to know. And the common cold is listed amongst coronaviruses. So the reality is, if it does exist, it is a flu, a cold virus. And yes, maybe it's a little bit worse than previous flu viruses. I can't say because, you know, everybody I know who have tested positive for COVID have had a cold or flu. Yeah. So it's very difficult for me to say that that, that particular cold or flu. Take into account now, um, Richie, I've had 17, 18 family members all tested positive in the first year. And... No one died. No one in my family died. And like I say, a few of them had a cold. Some of them never had any symptoms at all. They just tested for work and it was positive. And two of them had chest infections. But so it's very difficult for me to say that, that, that it doesn't exist. But everybody I've witnessed who have said they've got COVID have had a cold or a flu. And, and I can honestly say, hand on my heart, I know nobody who has died of COVID-19. Me neither. Me neither. We had yeah. one freedom fighter last year. Um, he went into hospital with COPD. Within three days, he was dead. And um, Roland Ford, his name was. He was, a, he was a citizen journalist. Within three days being in hospital, he was dead. And they marked him down as a COVID death. That's now, outrageous, isn't it, that? That, that they could get away with doing that. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, like, like I say, I've got a bit of a following on Telegram and I made videos about it, you know, and I spoke about it. And in response, in one, in one day, I had 900 comments from different people who have had almost exactly the same situation where their family member had gone into hospital with one thing, passed away, and then they were told they died of COVID. They must, it, feel, they must feel really used and they must feel that they're deceased loved one, their deceased family member was used by the government because that's what they've done, Mick. They've used that's, people. 
people, you know, and they're so angry. You know, I, I'm, I come across people. See, it's, it's kind of changed. It's kind of changed. Like last year, they were angry that their family members were being put down as COVID deaths. Yeah, when they when they believed it was something else. Now, this year, the messages that are coming to me way too often now, and it, and it does upset me, is people who have been healthy, 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds, they've had their COVID jab, and then they've had a heart attack and died, and it's, oh, it's not related. It's not related. Unrelated. Okay, it's not related. You know, that's what they're being told. But they know that it is related. They know that these heart problems are being caused. No, sorry, I can't say that. You're absolutely right. They suspect, they suspect that these heart problems are being caused by the messenger RNA. Now, hey, hey, we- just before you go on, I agree with you, by the way. Listen, they're right to suspect. Do you remember before the jab rollout, you might remember this, some of us were having a good old laugh. I'm sure you were having a good old laugh and Martin and others. When This is before the jabs now. They, they, they kept coming out with stories about how dangerous COVID was. You know, they, they would invent a new symptom almost on a daily basis that they would attribute to COVID. And they kept talking about heart issues and stuff. They kept talking about inflammation of the heart. And I used to laugh at this. I used to write about it on my website, laughing like saying, oh, you know, they, they, they said a, a woman in France stripped naked and ran screaming around a basement in, in her apartment block and they blamed it on COVID. This is no word of a lie now. And they were making up all this stuff. And one of the things they said, Mick, was they said inflammation. And I just put it down to just more bullshit. However, the jabs obviously give people um, inflammation and myocarditis and pericarditis. So I wonder if they didn't know that the jabs would, they must have known that the jabs would cause these heart problems. So they were attributing heart problems to COVID even before the jabs were released. You know, they're, they're clever enough sometimes, these people, aren't they? They're not stupid all the time. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we are talking about people that have had this plan in motion for many years and they've got every base covered. And this, and this is what I try and tell people. Like, every time we think we're winning, every time we think we got... Like the doctor goes on the television and says to the health minister that his immune system is equally as effective as the vaccine. Now, if they didn't want that on mainstream, it would not have been on mainstream. But they've put it out there because the narrative is changing, and I can't quite work out how or why, but it's changing to... the to, um, now they're, they're, they're actually going to have to talk about the deaths caused by the vaccine. The, the footballers that have to retire early because they've had two jabs. But it's coming out on mainstream. And, and my problem is, why? What is their plan? What, what is their next move? I don't and know. I this is a good, ahead. brilliant question. I was speaking to Richard Willett the other day. Richard does a lot of work with, um, with, uh, with, with, with the Iconic platform. And I was chatting with him. And he, he described this, Mick, as like the rats fleeing the sinking ship. You know, journalists that are allowing a little bit more criticism of the jabs than ever before. Maybe it's because they see something serious coming down the line and they don't want to be remembered as, you know, being culpable, being responsible. I don't know if he's right. I think that's what you're hinting at. And I'd love you to be right. I mean, I hope that is the case, that they're covering their own arses now. Because if they do that, more people will obviously begin to realise that these jabs are are certainly not safe. And we know for a fact they're not necessary. I've seen, I've seen reports saying that um, millions of doses have had to be 
um, destroyed because p the people just ain't going back for their booster. And, and in my own experience, like we spoke earlier, in my own experience, many, many people are not going back for the booster. So they know that people are waking up. They know that people are realizing. And they do have to, like you said, you know, jump the sinking ship. They, they have to because it, it, it's going to be blown wide open. You know, we've got a GP. Well, we believe it to be a GP, a recording of a GP phone call saying that, you know, the, don't take the booster, the vaccines are going to be proved to be dangerous. Now, we don't know if that's genuine. We pray to God that it is. But, you know, with this stuff coming out and the stuff we're seeing now on mainstream, the narrative is changing. It is changing. But, you know, take into account that I started as a conspiracy theorist before I became an activist. So I can't help thinking that they're going to allow us a little win we're going to think, oh, yes, we've done it. They've pulled the vaccine program and then hit us with something bigger because we know that they've got another eight years to get their plan in motion, to have us all um, on their, might not, how can I say it? You know the vaccine passport. Yeah, It's the, always been about yeah. vaccine passport, the digital ID, you know. And the social um, credit system that goes alongside fine. that, Mick. Absolutely. Can I Absolutely. just can I just do a quick and recap, Mick, before you go? We got plenty of time. It's twenty five minutes to the top of the hour. This is the Richie Allen Show, live from Salford. We've got Mad Mix on the show. Great to have him on. And Martin Noakes is being very quiet there in the background. I'm not having that. We'll hear from Martin in a moment. Uh, they they have produced a fantastic track. I I really do like it genuinely. And most, well, pretty much everybody, bar one contrary fecker on the website likes it. We've had dozens and dozens of of that. That's that's bloody good going that it's like 50 uh, 49 out of 50 people think it's a fantastic track. I think it's a great track I'm, and I will we will close out with the track again we'll play it again before closing out tonight you can um, uh, I'll ask Mick again to remind you where you can get it it's number one in the Amazon download chart how amazingly cool is that and it could go even further on the the, the, the UK music charts the sales the chart sales end at midnight uh, this coming Thursday. So so do go and buy it. Go to madmaxconspiracies.co.uk slash buy single. madmaxconspiracies.co.uk slash buy single. iTunes as well. It's on Spotify. And Martin told me that if you listen to it 100 times, is that right? It counts as a sale on Spotify. That's why, right, yeah. Martin's telling me that's correct. I'm yeah. just going to leave it. I'm going to put it on loop then. I've got Spotify oh, here. Mad Mix, M-I-X. Mad Mix, M-A-D-M-I-X. I'm going to put Spotify. I'm going to put it on loop overnight when I go to bed. Just leave it wrong <laughs> over and over again. Don't know how many times it'll play, but I will for the crack uh, anyway. So so do check the song out. It's brilliant. Mick is an activist. He's been talking about his own theories as to what's been going on in the last two years and also about having success getting out and about on the highways and byways of the UK and giving people information they are not getting uh, anywhere else. You did mention, before we say it, we, we get an opinion from Martin about the five-year-old grandchild, Mick. That must be a wonderful thing, mate, to be a grandparent. Um, and you being concerned about that. Listen, tell me to mind my own business if you want. I don't mind that. Um, what about the child's parents? Are they clued in? Will they resist it? Oh, dear. Um, you don't know? No, I do know. I do know. Both my daughter and her husband are both double-jabbed, and they both think I'm a lunatic. You know, so, you know, the, the, what, I, what I want in the future is, is the truth to come out and then 
me to be vindicated within my daughter's eyes, you know, within my family's eyes. A lot of people thought I was a nutter when this started, you know, and they're saying, just get the vaccine. How on earth can it hurt you? You know, it's going to stop people dying of the flu. And I'm like, no, you're not seeing what's happening. This is bigger than just a vaccine rollout. It's bigger than just the flu. And and they and they think I'm nuts. And I, I love my children deeply, but my daughter, she doesn't see it from my perspective. My sons do, thank God. My sons, my, my children are all grown up, you know, 25, 30, you know. But they, the the boys see it from my perspective. My daughter doesn't. And and she, I, I'm, I'm doing this for my daughter and for my grandchildren, you know, and for my boys and their children. And and that's why I fight every day. That's why I get up every day and 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 do this fight. I do I do a daily video on my channel, you know, updating people what's going on, what I'm doing, you know, what I've come across on Telegram. Know, Mick is is, is that Telegram, mad yeah. mad mix on Telegram? So people should subscribe then and check it out daily. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I'm uploading every day. Um, when when we when we do a, a protest or an event, um, like a few weeks ago, we went to a, th a theatre. They decided that because Boris Johnson had bought in Plan B, that unvaccinated people couldn't go and see the va um, the pantomime. Although a few families, two families within the resistance, had already bought tickets for their children to go and see the pantomime. When they got to the, they received an email telling them that they needed to prove they had been vaccinated. When they got to the theatre, they were refused entry. But we had about 30 people outside the theatre because we, we knew this was going to happen because of the email. And, you know, we filmed all this and it's on our on Mad Mix Conspiracies. We filmed it and you can see the reaction of the people outside who were going in. They were wearing their masks and they're queuing up and they couldn't see the discrimination. They couldn't see the medical apartheid that was going on right in front of them. We've got a family with three young children stood there with tickets that they have bought legally to go and see this show. And the people in the theatre, the managers, telling them, you cannot come in because you cannot prove that you've had the vaccine. I'm like, this is the world that we have to fight against. It's real. It doesn't matter if the vaccine does save lives. We must have autonomy over our bodies. We can put in our bodies what we choose, not what the government tell us. You know, and that's what I'm fighting for. And it's the freedom for us to choose what goes in our body and not to be discriminated against. And people don't realize that this is real and it's happening. You know, England have had it a lot lighter than other countries, but it's still happening to a degree in England that people, it was ridiculous. I'll tell you the truth, Richard, we come out of there, we were prote not protesting, we were debating and arguing with the police and making a few speeches outside the theater. And then we cross the road and go into Witherspoons and 200 of us can sit in there without masks and all That's chatting. That's madness, Mick. It's arbitrary bollocks is what it is. That's oh, what we call man, it. man, you're telling me. Yeah. It drives me absolutely mental. And I'm facing this kind of stuff on a daily basis because I put myself out there, you know. And, and I tell people in within the resistance, you know, who watch my channel, don't wear the mask. Don't get out of your car. Turn up, go into Asda and put your mask on just to comply. Do not do it. And when anyone ever questions you on the mask, either you use the magic word exempt or you just tell them to go away. Yeah, absolutely. And mind their own business. Tell me you this. Tell, speaking of um, of protests, it was, it was interesting today 
to to learn. I got up this morning and I I, I learned. I'm in bed very early because I'm up very early. But I I uh, was glad, I suppose, to see this morning that the House of Lords sent back the police crime and sentencing bill back to the House of Commons, uh, telling the, the the government basically that their proposed legislation to criminalise noisy protests is basically undemocratic. That's a good thing, I suppose, on the face of it, isn't it? Oh, absolutely right. You see, this goes back to what we were saying, that these things are happening, and I can't work out why. I, like, I'm like, hold on a minute, that that works in our favour. You know, that that's good for us. So, all right, it'll go back to Parliament, they'll rewrite it a bit, they'll modify one or two bits, and then it'll go back to the Lords, and it'll get passed. Yeah, we, we kind of know that, but but as far as what we're doing, people on our side, it seems like another victory. You're like, hold yeah. on a minute, the House of Lords have it kicked makes it no back. sense, yeah, I hear you. What's really going on? Mad Mix is our guest and Martin Noakes. Martin, come back in. Martin is a, a brilliant producer. He, he is exceptional and um, he's very good at many other things as well, as we learned in, in London back in 2013. Just listen to Mick there, Martin. You know about extended family. I think yeah. Mick, Mick was a little bit emotional there. I don't blame him. Look, in my extended family, it's the same. They think I'm nuts. They're, they encourage my, my, my better half to have the jab. I've got close friends and even you know aunts and uncles back home. They've all been jabbed. They think we're crazy. What's been your own experience, Martin? Because, I mean, amongst your extended family, they'll know that, you know, that you're an activist. They'll know that you see the world a bit differently. How, how, how has that been for you, that relationship? Well, that, that's a bit of an understatement to start with. Cause yeah, yeah. I've always been considered a nutter, a bit like Mick, really. Um, but my immediate family, my wife, my two children, are completely unjabbed and have no intention of being jabbed. Uh, my father-in-law, who lives with us, is double jabbed, uh, but it hasn't caused a problem with us in our family unit. He lives with us, actually. Um, but apart from that, I think everyone else in the family is jabbed. Everyone else is, isn't that? Everybody yeah. I meet, everybody who seems to be aware of what's going on, like Mick said, like in my circle, they all tell me, you know, yeah, Richie, my parents have had it. They think I'm nuts. They, they warn them. Like parents are warned, you know, you'll never be able to travel. And that's, that's upsetting, Martin, you know, when your parents say, you know, you'll never be able to travel. And it doesn't dawn on them that it's absolute tyranny. Like, you know, you'll never be able to travel. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, what, what I don't get really is, why would you bother having the jabs until you actually did want to travel somewhere? You know, don't, don't have them two years before you want to travel somewhere, when you can't travel anywhere because none of the planes are flying. Yeah, yeah. Make, makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. You're proud of the track, I'm guessing. It's a great track. It's It's got echoes of, um, I can't think of the artist, but it's got echoes of 19. Um, yeah. it's got yeah. echoes it's got echoes of New Order as well I don't know okay. if you were influenced by New Order but it is well, I, it's I mean, the, the, the 19 thing is, um, is is a bit of a surprise to me actually because like, funny enough earlier on in the year well s sorry six months into this first thing I did a version with somebody else anonymously of 19 wow and, um, and it was um, it was it was banned. It was banned quickest ever. Thirty six hours it was taken down off YouTube. No way was it. Paul Hardcastle nineteen. I did hear a bit of that in the song, just yeah. a little bit of it. Yeah, you see, I'm I'm I'm, that, I'm right twice a year. That's one of I'm already down <laughs> one now. Twice a year I get it right. So question for the both of you, really. Again, I'm going to play the song before um, before we finish up. But listeners are saying to us, what's coming next then? And Mick 
I thought Mick was very shrewd when he talked about, you know, there's eight years. Do you know what I think might be coming next? You can't say that word, though. No, no, no. I, I think climate lockdowns are coming next. Cli- yeah, climate's going to be huge. Do you know what I think? I think um, that Mick was wondering what's going to happen next. I think, actually, it's all going to move over to the climate. That's what's going to happen. What do you think, Mick? Yeah, you know, that's why we watched the... Uh, you know the irony of that... Um, they, they didn't bring out the magic Omicron until after they had their COP26 and they all flew in on their private jets. That's right. They had their little parties and their little soiree and then they all fly home on their private jets and then all of a sudden we got the Omicron and we can't go anywhere and we have to wear masks again. I'm like, if people can't see through this, but yeah, the rubbish that they're coming out about climate change, I can't even use hairspray anymore because of it, you know? <laughs> it's just crazy. You're bolder than me. You're the only person in the country that's bolder than I am. So <laughs> less, less of the hairspray stuff. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's funny. The Sky News did a piece a few weeks back. It was very funny. And uh, they referenced some uh, independent content creators and how we were all a bit stupid. And Sky referenced this programme and said that I was a bit crazy for mentioning climate lockdowns. And, um, you know, I'm old school journalist, so I got back to the reporter and said, well, you know, I said, you know, it's just my opinion, but you write what you want anyway. Only the day after Sky published the article, the Indian government announced, effectively announced a climate lockdown uh, over, over pollution, that people would have to stay indoors and not drive. So, of course, I got back to the Sky reporter and said, um, ahem, ahem, do you want to do a retraction? And, and and the Irish guy in Salford is not really that crazy but of course they never got back to me I never heard from them again but yeah I see it going like that I see the social credit thing we talked about oh, uh, being yeah. huge going forward you know and digital currency Martin Mick what do you think cashless society guaranteed we're yeah. nearly there already right? Yeah yeah Absolutely I mean they used the Covid to make um, to make cash dirty you know cash cash is a, is a, is a killer it spreads this killer disease, so you can't touch cash. And they they increase your, um, at the moment, it's up to £100. You know you're contactless. It used to be £30. Within the COVID, it's gone up to £100. Yeah. So, you know, you don't touch anything now. You don't touch any money. And, and we're dealing with a lot of places. We, we, we do it on purpose. We turn up and we only have cash, you know, and we order and then they don't want to take the cash. It's like, okay. We won't pay. End of story. This it's got the Queen of England's head on it. If Legal you don't tender. want to take it, that's your problem. Tell me this, Mick. So, so this has genuinely happened a few times. They've actually said, no, we don't want the cash. You've got to pay. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. We, we, went, we went into a pub, um, ordered all the drinks, and like they made the drinks, put them all on the counter, and then handed over the cash. They're like, no, we don't take cash. Like, you've already... Put all the drinks up, you know what I mean? It's like Lovely. We're quite happy for you not to take the cash at this point, as you're halfway yes. through your Guinness. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I love this. I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. And but you're maintaining, Mick. You're maintaining this enthusiasm because it can't be easy to be going out weekends, going out in the evenings, and doing it day in, day out. I know you're motivated by your grandchild, and I know you're motivated by your daughter, which must be powerful motivations, but it can't be easy to get up off your arse. I have great admiration for people who get off their arses and hand out leaflets and speak to people. That I will support forever and ever and ever. I, I have been critical in the past of going down Trafalgar Square, 
because oh, I don't true. see the point of that. But but, but listen, absolutely. Yeah, I don't absolutely. I don't tell people not to do it. It's just it's just not for me. But the light paper, speaking to people, you're obviously a very personable bloke, a very amiable bloke. Yes, mm. mate. I, I'm 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 all for it. You know, I really am. Don't ask me to get involved. I have enough to do with uh, with my progress. I, I get I get said this is said to me all the time. Why don't you do it? Get off your arse. I say it takes an age to to do the five radio shows a week. But no, I do have the utmost respect for you and, and, and others you. for doing it. I think the song is absolutely stonking. I really do. It's well, terrific. I'm not as young as I once was, you know, and, and I, I've had my problems with illness. So I can't walk around London with them, you know. So on, on the last one, when they walked around London, a couple of hundred of us stayed in Parliament Square with the yellow boards. And, and that was great, you know, people that, that were going past Parliament Square. It was like Rebels on Roundabouts, but in Westminster. Lovely. So that was really cool. And then we kept going in the road. The police get, kept getting upset, pushing us out the road, getting a little bit physical with us. But, you know, whilst they were walking around London, we managed to keep Parliament Square closed for ages from traffic. So I'm all about causing disruption. You know, I'm not about um, walking around and shouting, freedom, freedom. I'm like, let these people know we're here, you know, let them know that there's a lot of us, you know, there was two million nearly on one of these marches. But I, I like you, don't believe that that's the way forward. That's why we took it local. You know, I said to every stand in the park, you know what stand in the parks are. Yes, that's We yeah. all meet up on Sundays in the park, you know, and, and we're all linked together. So, you know, I said to the stand in the parks, you arrange something in your town and we will come and make some noise. We'll get yellow boards in the town centre, like you say, leaflets, light newspaper. We'll make some noise and we'll educate people. To me, that was the only way forward. But at the moment, we're working on, you know, another very important one, a child abduction by social services. So we're working on that. And that takes up a lot of mental energy, you know. And so it is dark. What we're doing in a, in a lot of these cases is very dark. You know, we've done hospital rescues when they've locked people on wards we've turned up with 20 people what we found is we don't generally need to do that now we just get 200 people to email the hospital you know they're locking people on covid wards because they won't test for covid if you don't test for covid then you're automatically positive so you go on a covid ward so we're losing people that are going in with you know some quite serious conditions like i say copd in one case cancers all sorts they're locking them on COVID wards and then only treating them for COVID when they've not even tested them, you know. So we've had to get a few thousand people to email the hospitals. We've had people standing outside hospitals. We've gone up to the wards. The police have turned up, you know, but we've got our people out eventually. That's interesting, Nick. And, and that information is coming from the patients themselves, is it? They're saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm a cancer patient or I've got COPD and they want to test me, they want to force me onto a COVID ward. It's actually coming from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I get calls daily because we, um, we set up an emergency channel on Telegram as well for, for people that, that have an emergency situation, either with a school or with the police or with hospitals. But the one we're coming across most days is hospitals. You know, people do have to go in hospitals with medical conditions. That doesn't stop because COVID has arrived. So these people end up in hospital and then the hospital lock them in a COVID ward. They deny them any visitation from their family and they start treating them for COVID and not for what they even went in there for. So, you know, it does get emotional. It, it is draining for me sometimes. But 
it, it is it is my job now. This is it. This is a mission. Until this is done, this is all I do. Listen, we, we, we're out of time, right? Um, I, I'll pick up with you in the future. The the state-sponsored child abduction, forced adoption. I've been speaking to people about this for years, and I want to talk about that again on the programme. So I'll give you a shout uh, in a few weeks, and we'll do something on that. I'm very interested in what you said to me. But uh, I want uh, you guys to uh, close out the programme by uh, telling us about the song and where you can get it. And... Um, and I'll play it out. What do we know? We're about six. What are we about six minutes to the top of the hour? Um, Mad Mix is is making me listen to Mick. Uh, you can find him on Telegram. Look him up on Telegram. Subscribe to him. He's on Facebook as well. Uh, you heard Martin in the background there, a very old friend of mine, Martin Noakes, terrific producer, songwriter, and uh, and activist as well. They've uh, produced this wonderful song called Killer Killer COVID. Brilliant, brilliantly, brilliantly produced, Martin. You can hear what Mick is uh, is saying clear as a bell. That the inserts, the clips from the politicians is absolutely fantastic. It's pristine, so uh, I think it's absolutely great, buddy. Uh, do you want to um, remind us, guys, where people should go to 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 de- to download it, to buy it, and what you're hoping to achieve on Thursday? Well, the the easiest place to buy it is if you go to www.madmix. M A D M I X conspiracies.co.uk uh, there's a link there to, to buy it um, and there's a link there with um, your interview here with, will be on there as well so it's a proper little website um, you can buy it from all, all of major platforms so um, uh, you know uh, Amazon iTunes Spotify all of them really you can buy it from anywhere really uh, so search for Killer Killer Covid and you'll find it tell us this guys just a quick um uh, 60 seconds we've got are I think Mick said it already wrong we do win eventually I think Mick did say that are are we going to get out of it eventually quick one from both of you we're going to get out of this I flip from positive to negative on that one um, I I really really hope we do uh, for my children's sake more than anything um, I, th- I think we can come out of it but I'm seeing too many people who are fast asleep there's not, not enough pushback for me personally Nick, for me, I we win, we win. That's it. There, there's no other option. We have to win, no matter what it takes. Um, people like yourself, Martin, me, hundreds of people, no, millions of people are doing their thing. You know, people are sharing that stuff on um, social media. They're sharing, they're putting out the light newspapers. They're putting leaflets through doors. We win, and you know, we're seeing we're seeing the narrative fall apart every day. And it fills me with hope, you know, and and that's, I have to believe we win. That's how I keep going. Brilliant, Mick. It was a pleasure meeting you, Mick. Thanks for coming on. Martin, lovely to connect with you again. Yeah, Best of luck with the song and congratulations on it. I mean it when I say I really enjoyed it. I'm going to play Thanks. it with it now in a second. All the best to both of you and I look forward to speaking to you again. Mad Mix and his producer, Martin Noakes, on the Richie Allen Show this Tuesday, the 18th of, what is it, January 2022. Just before we play out with the song, thanks again to Charlie Robinson for coming on the programme earlier on. Do check out Charlie's excellent books, Hypocrisy and The Octopus of Global Control. Check him out. You'll find him on Amazon. You'll find him on Charlie's website, The Octopus of Global Control. That's it for Tuesday programme. Join me again tomorrow Wednesday at 5 o'clock UK time. Uh, Until then, take care of yourselves and one another. Killer, killer COVID from Mad Mix. See you tomorrow. Bye. Hello, good day and welcome. Michael Manowell Chaves. 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 On the mic. 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 Yeah. Yeah.
Kill the kill the COVID. COVID. 